inviting me. I uh, am pleased to be able to, to come here whenever possible. It seems like it's been a while since the last time I was here. But then I also know that every once in a while somebody else from the college is can, coming up here from time to time. I always appreciate that too. Others want to be involved from time to time. So, But for me, I've always enjoyed coming here. Actually, if you remember, um, when I first became the president of Summit Christian College, this is the first uh, church I preached at uh, as the president of Summit Christian College. And I've, I've always uh, had a fond place in my heart for you guys and for this, this congregation and for what you've done for the college as well. So um, today I've, I thought uh, when Ron called and said uh, we'd like to have someone come up I thought, well, I'll take it because I knew I had today. I wasn't had, it didn't have to be anywhere else. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'm going to grab this one. But then I thought, well, what am I going to preach about? <laughs> you know, I, usually when I put together a sermon, I work on that sermon and I deliver it to a church. And then I think, man, I could have done that better. And uh, so I work on it some more and deliver it to the next church. And then I think, oh, man. You know, I, I should have said this, and so, you know, I improved my sermons over time from church to church. If you're the first church that gets my sermon that I'm preaching over a period of time, then you might get the worst sermon, <laughs> or, or my least prepared sermon. Well, uh, today, uh, since I'm asking myself, well, what am I going to preach about? I thought, well, why don't, I, why don't I do the one thing I've been wanting to do for a long time? Uh, when I was 20 years old, uh, my wife, Alice, and I, um, we were uh, in Des Moines at the time, and I said, I want to memorize the uh, book of Colossians. Well, I didn't realize at the time, that's a big chunk uh, to take on. If you've ever tried memorizing a passage or two, to take on a whole book, that's a, that's a major effort. And so Alice and I used to walk in the park, and, and I would try to quote uh, a passage from Colossians to her and she'd have the Bible open and she'd say no. No, he didn't get that right. And, <laughs> and, and we would go and I'd have fond memories of those days of trying to memorize a passage of a, a, a book and uh, I realized as, as I was memorizing the scripture I was, I was learning things in that, pa in that scripture that I hadn't considered before. You know, if you go over and over a passage, in order to memorize it, you have to understand it a little bit. At least that's for me. If it's just nonsense, I can't memorize it. You know, if, it, if I have just a bunch of words, then I'll, it'll go out of my head in no time. It has to have some meaning to it in order for it to stick. And so I found myself uh, digging deeper into the word as I tried to memorize that word than I would have ever have dug uh, before. I hope you guys haven't given up memorizing scripture, have you? <laughs> I, I think that that's a, it's a, a talent or it's a, an exercise that has gone out of the church. And I think uh, you hear it in camps once in a while, somebody, groups of kids are memorizing a passage, but I'd like to encourage you if you would, think about taking, don't take, off, don't take on the whole book, but take on a chapter or something and just try to put it in memory. Just for the fun, not for anybody else's uh, enjoyment, just your own. And you might discover that in the process of doing that, some insights come out of there you never saw before. Well, I found that to be the truth. Oh, look, 
I'm, I'm now being, I hear myself, so that's good. <laughs> you know, I, I, I found that there are some things in, in the book of Colossians that I never really come uh, to grips with. And so I'd like to share a few of those things with you, if that's okay. Um, the, thing, the reason why I wanted to go back to this book is because at the time that I was memorizing and I was saying, hey, you know, when you look at the whole, the book of uh, Colossians as a whole, do you realize that that is Paul recounting the gospel? This is the gospel message. You know, I had a professor at uh, Platte Valley Bible College when I was going to college there. He says, what's the gospel? And I thought that was an overwhelming question. Uh, when you say, what's the gospel? And of course, then he, he'd go back to Paul and Paul would talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. You know, and so let's this, this, uh, keep it simple. Death, burial, and resurrection. Well, uh, then I began to see that there are other passages of scriptures they give you a little bit more to that gospel. Like, for instance, that uh, Jesus is the Messiah. You know, that it's not just a death, burial, and resurrection of anybody. This is a death, burial, and resurrection of the creator of the universe. You, you know, that kind of throws a little different uh, taste to the whole idea, doesn't it? Uh, this is something that I think is very important. And as I've listened to preachers preach over the years, listened to camp uh, lessons that are being uh, delivered to children, I often have found that this whole concept of when they talk about the gospel, you forget to emphasize who it is we're talking about. You know, we say Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And the question has to come back, who is he? Who is this Jesus? And sometimes I think that people have different notions of who Jesus actually is. And one of the, camp, one of the camps that I was at, and I might have said this at one point, because I, at one point when I was talking to you, because I say this all the time, I remind this, uh, I guess it irked me enough that I kept repeating, I keep repeating it when I preach. But this guy said, I knew Jesus for 20 years as my savior before I ever knew him as my Lord. And when I heard him say that, it just kind of made me cringe. How can you possibly know Jesus Christ as your Savior if you don't know him as your Lord? It seemed like an impossibility to me. How can uh, somebody up there talking to the young people, telling people that you can know Jesus as your Savior before you can know him as your Lord, Maybe even wonder if he knew him as his, as his Lord now. Maybe if he knew him as Lord, he wouldn't have said that. Because if you know Jesus Christ as Lord, that's the essence of the gospel. That Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what he asked uh, 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 Peter, didn't he? Who do you say that I am? Why, well, you are the Christ. And in Hebrew, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. That's a pretty big statement for a Jewish person to be making. It takes a quite a bit of uh, um, faith to say something like that. Because for a Jewish person to call anybody <clears throat> the Messiah, the son of the living God, why that's blasphemy. If you're saying about anybody else in the world, it would have been blasphemy. 
You better be absolutely right. You got the right guy. If you're going to call him the Messiah, the son of the living God. And he came to that conclusion. He was. Well, I believe he came to that conclusion when he first met him. When he pulled the fish out of the, out of the ocean. I believe that. As he fell to his knees and said, depart from me or I'm a sinner. He knew who he was talking about. But uh, today, we have a lot of people who don't recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ. We, we know that the, he is a savior, and if you, if you, if you believe that he saved you, you're, you're okay. But we forget about the lordship. So, if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of read through Colossians. I won't, I won't quote it from memory, because that was like 50 years ago. <laughs> and my mind doesn't pull all that stuff back up, even though I've been over this many times, on the, but I... I notice here I've got this little tab that I put in my Bible here. I put that there. It's the only tab I have in my Bible. And I've had that there. It's, it's taped. If I try to take it out, it'd tear, up the, tear the page out, so I won't take it. But the reason I put that there is so that I can start working on memorizing it again and going back through and, and trying to do that. And I think it's a good thing to do. I was at uh, the uh, ICOM, which is a missionary convention, is what in Bible by my way of thinking. And a good friend of mine, his name is Mark Scott, was uh, teaching a, a class at, uh, over, breakfast, over breakfast. And uh, he said he had made up his mind that he's going to start memorizing the book of Colossians. <laughs> and I thought, oh man, <laughs> that's, that's a big job. <laughs> But he, he had decided he was going to do that because he saw so much in it that he felt like if he could get the book of Colossians down, he'd know the gospel. Well, I think we all know the gospel, right? But here, let's let, let's let uh, Paul unpack it a bit for us. And you'll see in here, uh, as you go through, you might, I might stop from time to time. You can tell me what you think. Are we talking about uh, the death? Are we talking about the burial? Or are we talking about the resurrection? Are we talking about who Jesus is? Or are we talking about the impact of what he did in our lives? Are we talking about the walk that we should be walking? I think all of that together uh, composes the gospel. It's not just death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the importance of it all. Why that was so important to us. That's part of the gospel, too. Paul, in uh, Galatians chapter 1, he was so upset with the Galatian people. Have you read Galatians lately? That's one of the hardest hit reading, uh, um, passages in the Bible, as far as I'm concerned. Because he starts, he says, he starts off with these, the Galatians says, how astonished I am that you have so quickly turned from the gospel. And he just starts lambasting them. And uh, he says something really quite astonishing. And that is, if anyone to were to preach a gospel other than what you have received, let him be, can you remember what the words would be? Accursed. Another uh, translation says, eternally condemned. Whoa. That's a pretty harsh thing. So how serious should we take the gospel? Is it important? 
important enough for Paul when he's talking to the Galatians to be upset with them because they were walking away from a pure gospel, a pure gospel message. We have preaching, uh, teaching the gospel differently than what they had been receiving. Adding things to it or taking things away from it. And I'm going to say today, if you listen to the radio, you're going to hear people preaching the gospel. But not the full gospel. They'll be, take, they'll be adding things to it or they'll be taking things away from it. But the full gospel includes Jesus being the Messiah. The son of the living God. It includes what he did for us on the cross. It includes the fact that he had given up his life for us. So uh, to take our place. And that he was buried. And then on the third day, he was raised. But that's not all. That because he was raised, we all have access to eternal life. If we ourselves give ourselves over to him. This is part of the gospel. The gospel is our response. Not only what he did, but how should we respond to what he did? That's also part of the gospel. And I hear people saying all kinds of things about how we should respond to the gospel. We, it's okay if we do it this way or if it's okay if we do it that way, but none of it is grounded well in the word. And so it's important for us to know what the gospel is, and that includes our response to the gospel. What kind of impact does it have on our, on our lives? And how should we then walk? How should we then live? So let's listen to Colossians and watch as, as uh, Paul unfolds the gospel for us. I like this because I don't have to do it. Paul did it already. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in, and you can say alliance, that's okay. That's not, you know, just put your own self there. But he's talking to the, the people of Colossians. It says, to, the, uh, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing uh, fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. And you also uh, told us, who also told us of your love in the spirit. For this reason, since the day I heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the, that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. You notice that? The reason he's de dealing with this, telling us this, is so that we may live a life 
and please him in every way. That's important. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the, saint, of the holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued you, sorry, rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Now whom we have re, uh, redemption and the forgiveness of sin. Have you, have you seen any of the gospel in that yet? Heard anything about the death, the burial, and resurrection yet? Well, we definitely are getting some words about the impact that this has had on the lives of the people. And uh, we, we recognize that he has done this for them uh, for, from his acts. So let's look at this next section. This is my favorite a description of Jesus Christ anywhere in the Bible. I've, I've gone over this so many times and I just think this is so powerful and so meaningful. So let's listen to it. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now, as he has, uh, he, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. I'd like to stop right there. Free from accusation. This is not just once, this is forever. That we who are in Christ are free from accusation. That's important. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Notice how he talks about this description of Jesus Christ himself as being the gospel. You see that? We're talking, that's why Paul was so upset when people began to depart from the gospel. Because they're departing from Jesus. The one who created them. The one who died for them. And restored them to a right relationship with God through his very own blood. He is the one who established the church, by the way. 
that means the church is no small thing, is it? The church is important. Jesus died for all of us who belong to the church. And we together uh, make up the, the body that proclaimed this, that proclaimed the, gospel, the gospel until re he returns. We just had the uh, communion service. I love the communion service, don't you? Sorry, I'm up front, so I didn't really fully uh, grasp the order of things, but it's still one of my, fav it's one of my favorite times in the, in the church service because it's a time when I can focus my attention on what Jesus did for me. Not only what he did for me, but he, what he did for all of us, right? The gospel is a major, of major importance to us. And when we take the communion, we are, in fact, proclaiming the gospel. Who it was that, that uh, died for us, and that he did die for us, and that he gave his body for us, and then we then get to proclaim all of that to the world until he returns. All that's in, all that's in the uh, <coughs> explanations of communion in the scripture. The fact that he died, he rose, and he has rejoined his fa the Father at the right-hand side and will be there until he returns, and we're looking for that coming again. This description that we just read here is a beautiful description of the gospel. And so when you say, what's the gospel? I like to say, oh, the gospel is, is uh, <coughs> uh, Colossians 1, chapter 15 onward. It's the description of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And the fact that he is the head of all things. And he is superior, far superior. All authority had been given to him. And therefore, because all authority had been given to him, he is our Lord. How can you say he's not our Lord if he, if he doesn't have authority over you, right? It means he's given, given authority over you. That must mean he's your Lord. Uh, if he doesn't have authority, well then, <laughs> he's not your Lord, right? And so that's why I say this guy who says, uh, I knew Jesus Christ as my savior 20 years before I knew him as my Lord, meant you really didn't know him as your savior at all. He didn't know him. He didn't know who he was. He was the one that all authority had been given to. And he said in the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That makes him Lord. He is lordship over all things on, in heaven and on earth. Not just me. He's my Lord. If we turn ourselves over to him, it's because we're turning him over to be our Lord. It's a giving up of your own authority over yourself and turning it over to God and letting God be the authority over your life. That's how big this is. It's not a small, small matter at all. To, to move forward, I like the remainder of what he says after this description of his supremacy. He says, now I rejoice in what I am su suffering for you and uh, fill up in my life what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of, of his body, which is the church. Notice that. Paul saw the church as so important that he had given up everything so that uh, he can fill up in his body that which was lacking in the Lord's afflictions for the sake of the church. I want to encourage you and thank you 
for maintaining your faith in the church. The church is everything as far as Paul was concerned. That's what he dedicated his life to. Listen to what he said. I have become the servant, its servant, meaning the church's servant. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you to the word, uh, you, the word of God in its fullness, that the mystery that has uh, been kept hidden for ages and generations, but has now disclosed to the Lord's people, to them God has clothed to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that an amazing statement? <coughs> How many of you see Christ in yourselves? Is Christ in you? This is so important, and this crisis in the body of the church. We are a witness to the world of Christ's existence, and they can see him in action in us. And this is what uh, Paul was dedicating himself. He saw that it was so important that the church gets this and understand this, so that when they live their lives, they can live in accordance with the will of God so that the world can know the mystery of Jesus Christ himself, that he had come for them. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy, cry, uh, sorry, I sorry, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And that, you know, this is something Paul, uh, he was so dedicated to, to make sure that wherever he went, whoever he talked to, he was able to really share the gospel with them. He prayed that God would open a door. He asked the, his people to pray that God would open the door that he might be able to declare or proclaim the gospel as he ought. Is that something we're praying today? Are we all praying that prayer? Is this something that Paul prayed and that was good enough and then we don't have to do anything about it? According to this, Jesus is our head. He's the head of the church. He's the one who gives us the marching orders. He has authority over us. As his children, we should be following him in his direction. Now, I'm going to go on a little bit farther, and then I'll, I'll conclude. But I just wanted to read some of this because I think it's good to put it all in context. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those in, at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. I think that's why we read these passages. I hope it's all to be that, encouraged in heart and united in love. This is important to Paul and should be important to us. <clears throat> so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may, be deceive, may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. 
For though I am absent uh, from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. So I just look at these words and say, does this describe me? Does this describe who I am in Christ? Am I disciplined in my faith? Am I dedicated? Am I making every effort to live up to the expectations of, of our Lord in my daily walk? And Paul was contending for the faith and contending for the church that they too would maintain a discipline so that the word of God would go out untarnished from them to all the world. So then, just as you receive, this is one of my favorite lines. <coughs> just as you receive Christ Jesus, are you following along on this? Are you reading these words? <coughs> as what? Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Right? That's how you receive Christ Jesus. You turn your life over to him. He becomes your authority. He's the one who gives us the marching orders. As Ron had said here, the, what did Jesus do? You know, the, what, does you, what would Jesus do? Of course we should be saying that. He is our Lord. We need to find out for sure what, he should, what he'd have us do. And we need to be looking to him for that guidance. But here it says, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. So, this is a guide for us. I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, uh, pause here a minute. This is a guide for us. How should we be living our lives? We should be living our lives in the very same way we entered into life. Does that make sense? What did we do when we entered into a right relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know? We died. Yeah. What this is saying is your whole life needs to be following in the same pattern as it did when you entered into life in the very first place. That's why how you enter into Christ makes a difference. Does that make sense? You enter into a walk with Christ in the way he wants you to walk because from then on you walk in that same path. You live that life the same way. Now, I don't have to tell you what it means because he's going to tell you what it means in a second. But I just want you to see this because I've used this many times in arguments with other people and sometimes I get in arguments. And when I get in these arguments, they say, well, you're saved by faith. I say, what do you mean by saved by faith? Well, all you have to do is believe. So you live your life, all of you're doing, your entire life is just believing. Right? It says, just as you received Jesus Christ is your Lord. You continue to walk that way. So whatever it was, you entered into that relationship with Jesus is the way you're going to walk for the rest of your life. So make sure when you enter into that relationship, you enter into it in a way that Jesus wants you to. Right? It's not just that you believe that he died for you on the cross, 
But you also believe in who he is. That he is Lord over your life. And that you have submitted to his authority in your life. And as you submit to his authority, he is the one who directs you in your steps. And you say yes. And you begin walking the walk with Jesus in the way he asks you to walk. And you continue until you die. Right? Until he, or until he comes back for us. And I look forward to that. I actually think it's going to happen soon. Well, I have lots of reasons for that, but that's me. But uh, uh, it's important for us to do that. So I'm going to re repeat this so we can get this all right. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted. See, you get to be rooted even when you first enter into your relationship. You get to be rooted in him. Rooted and built up in him. That's the, I'm going to say, I'm going to use the word baptism here. How are you rooted in Christ? You give up your past. You say no to that. And you say yes to Jesus and his way. And you die to self. And you are buried. And that, I love that word rooted. <laughs> you know, uh, rooted and built up in him. And then it says, strengthened in your faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, did that happen when you were baptized? How did it feel when you came up out of the waters? Were you grateful? Boy, I'll tell you what. To know that your sins have been washed away. That's a moment, isn't it? But guess what? We live our entire lives in that moment, don't we? Grateful. Thankful. All of that. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you are also uh, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. The whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. This is this. You're no longer living to yourself. Your whole uh, it was put off by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were raised, you were also raised with him through your faith in the work of God who raised him from the dead. Not through your faith in your own work. Not through your faith in the fact that, hey, I did this. But through your faith in the work of God who raised him, Jesus himself, from the dead. All of that comes together as the gospel message is preached. So, uh, now where am I? When you were dead in your sins, that was before, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. He gave us all, uh, he gave us all our, uh, sorry, he forgave us all our sins, having canceled um, the charge of our uh, legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, 
and nailed it to the cross. And, and uh, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or what you drink or with regard to religious festivals, a new moon celebration, uh, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Now notice he also included Sabbath day. Do you see that? What's that mean? Anybody know? He included, don't let these principles guide you now. Including Sabbath day. Wow, wait. What's the reality? Those are just a shadow of the things that were to come. What's the reality? We now dedicate ourselves to Jesus. Right? He is our authority over all things. It's not by the, the, the different uh, things we do to make us right. Jesus makes us right. He's the one who makes us right. And we can't let these things uh, overcome us. And so... Uh, We'll see. In uh, verse 18, I'll start there. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person who gets into great, de great detail about what he has seen, they are puffed up and idle, uh, with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. I'm gonna just sum that up as false doctrines. Don't allow false doctrines to guide you. Those things are separating us from the head. The head is all that we need, Jesus Christ himself. He is the one who holds us together. Don't be separated by your dependence on his lordship. His lordship will hold us together. Since you died with Christ to uh, the elemental spirit, uh, spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, you submit to its rules, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have, uh, have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom, which uh, uh, with their self-imposed worship and false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack all value in uh, restraining sensual indulgence. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and, all, and uh, your life is now hidden in Christ, uh, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Amen. Aren't these words amazing? I'm now in chapter 3. <laughs> You know, sometimes we look at uh, these verses in isolation, 
but we don't realize that they're all meant to be read together. They're all meant for us to read the whole thing as one. Because when we read the whole thing, doesn't it give you a, just a little different picture? Don't you see how uh, God's word is beautiful and is intended to guide us and help encourage us and make sure we're walking in a way he wants us to walk? And it gives us the correctives. He'd go on, you know, we can go on in here. Uh, and I won't do that for us because I, you could read all of that yourself. But uh, he'll give uh, these different correctives. You know, we, we have in the past adhered to really stupid ideas about how to live our lives. And some of those were handed down to us by our parents. I'm sorry. Maybe those weren't all that bright. But they, a lot of those were not necessarily guided because, uh, by their walk with Christ. May have been guided by worldly principles. We have to learn how to discard worldly, worldly principles. The wisdom that we find that surrounds uh, us isn't from God. We need to recognize that we have access to God's wisdom right here. And if we will listen to it and allow God's word to penetrate our hearts and to guide us in our walk, then we become a light to the people around us. And yes, we don't necessarily have to answer all their questions. The questions we need to ask, answer for them is who is Jesus Christ, right? Who is he? He is the creator of the universe. And what has he done? He came to this world, sacrificed everything for us, and he gave us the ability to access his supremacy in our lives. With his authority, we act. We follow his advice and his direction. From the very time we give ourselves over to him. I love the fact that, they, that uh, Paul included baptism in this, don't you? Because he's trying to show you the gospel. The full and complete gospel. The full and complete gospel isn't the fact that just God did something for you, but that we have to respond. In the scriptures, it's clear. We respond by setting aside those things which we used to cling to and now turning our lives to cling to Christ himself and not getting distracted by the things that are around us that we can always cling to again, but to let those things around us go and keep our eyes on Christ. We keep our eyes on him. He will sustain us until he returns. And then we, are, uh, we can be freed from false doctrine. You know, why do we need false doctrine? Only if the, Jesus himself is not supreme in our lives, we need something else. But if he's supreme, then anything else is useless. It's not worth bothering about. All these speculations, they don't matter. What matters is the thing we know for sure is true. And that is that the uh, God of the universe came to live among us, died for us, rose again so that we ourselves might rise with him. And he lives at the right hand of, of God, guiding us daily through his Holy Spirit and his word. And when that happens, you can be sure you're not going astray. You're walking the walk.
It's as simple as that. Anyway, just a simple message. I thought you'd be, you might enjoy listening to some of this, these passages because they are so rich. Uh, if I, uh, uh, like the, any preacher, you know, if, if, you, if you've got a right text, then uh, you know everybody's going away with something. So thank you so much for allowing me to come and to share with you. And share my heart. I want to share this with our students. I want our students to get this. I want them to understand this because it's so valuable to them. Also, you notice why uh, it's, it, it encourages us to not uh, become and remain ignorant. We need to stay in the Word. We need to allow the Word to continue to uh, guide us so that we don't fall prey to all the people who have these great ideas of what they think you ought to know, when in, the al in reality they turn out to be uh, wind. Okay. So, God bless you all. Thank you so, uh, so much for letting me come speak with you.